0: I want to take just a minute. Romans is an incredible book, okay? It is, um, uh, many times, it is referred to as like this one book, if you had to read one book about all the theology about uh, Christianity, it is the one book that sums it up the best. And, uh, And so there are lots of popular verses here. You will have heard many of these verses. Let me read you a few. Uh, if you profess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God uh, raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know that verse in Romans 10. Romans 6, 23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That's, uh, that's, this is these, these verses would be great for a coffee mug Christianity. These are so many verses you would find, you know, that would be on a T-shirt or on a coffee mug um, that sometimes we hear and take them for what they are. And we miss the total context and they're even bigger and deeper than, than we even see. Um, here's another one. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and be pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love us, own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Romans 5.1. Are you getting the picture? Are you saying, wow, all those verses that I'm familiar with, they all come from Romans and they do. And so we're going to do we're going to do something this morning. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a little bit of time, a basic introduction to Romans, who wrote it, where did he write it from? Who was he writing to? a little bit about the recipients of the the letter. Um, And then we're going to look at the first seven verses and do a real short life application uh, with those seven verses. The title of this sermon series is Living by Faith, and that comes from chapter 1 and verse 17. Um, It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written that the righteous... Shall live by faith. When Paul's writing this letter to the Christians at Romans, he also says in verse 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. See, Paul is getting ready to disrupt everything with this letter because he is a follower of the great disruptor, Jesus Christ disrupting every world religion that had exists, existed up until this time when he wrote the letter. And he's anchoring it on this faith and on the power of the grace of Jesus Christ. And so you got that. You got the basic context. Um that living by faith. That we're going to talk about it for the next several months. We are not going to speedily work our way through Romans. We're going to take our time and dig in. This is something that, if we, uh, if we understand it, then uh, it—I promise—it's going to change your life. Wouldn't you love to? In these trying times, and don't we all aspire to be living by faith? Because you sure can't walk by sight right now, or you will walk in fear. You will walk in fear and trepidation. You will back down. You will you will you will succumb to this mindset that you know that the end is here. That there's no hope. Yet Jesus, uh, we are called to walk by faith, and we got to live by faith, and that's what we're going to learn how to do um, over the next several months. So, first of all, who wrote this? Uh, let me see if I can bring this first verse up. I believe I can do it see yeah let's see what this looks like. yeah, Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the Gospel of God. All right, so we know who wrote it in the first verse he names himself Paul, you know Paul was Saul was struck down the road to Damascus. Jesus spoke to him. He was a, a, a well-trained um, uh, lawyer. He was expected to sit on the Sanhedrin, which is the Supreme Court of the time. He was being groomed. Uh, he was trained and taught by Gamaliel. Um, and he went from a, the, the most fierce persecutor of the church, early church and Christians, uh, was likely standing there um, when Stephen was became the first martyr when he was killed, was likely... To have killed many Christians himself, was changed by the power, the grace of God, and became one of the most fierce leaders of the early church. He was the first extreme makeover, and God did that uh, with him. So we see that Paul is the author; he's the one writing this letter. He's writing it from um, he's writing it from a, a Corinth. Uh, it's a Greek city. And uh, this is where he's writing from, and he's um, in, a, in a place uh, where he's experiencing all kinds of worldliness. You think the you, many times I hear people reference today's culture and how bad it is getting. Well, this was 2,000 years ago, and we would all blush and run and hide if we knew what Paul was walking by in the streets of Corinth. If we knew the, the type, of, type of sexual immorality, the idol worship, um, the, the just the, the evil that was all around him, that had uh, brought to his mind this reality and truth that the only thing that can change a person's life, the only thing strong enough is the power of the grace of Jesus Christ. And he was riding in that environment in Corinth. You know, Paul was one of the early missionaries. He was, he was a strategist. He was trying to figure out how to get the gospel to the world. And as he was doing that, they had gone to the major trade routes, these late, large communities that he was, he knew if I could get the gospel here, there are people passing through and it would help it get it to the rest of the world. Well, for him, Rome was one of those places, uh, a place that he could not wait to get to, to share the gospel. Uh, At the end of Acts, we find uh, that he does eventually end up there. Um, But he could not wait to get to Rome. When he finally does make it to Rome later in life, he's there as a prisoner. Um, But he wanted to get there personally. And, uh, And so this is why he wrote the letter. This is why he wrote the letter, okay? The purpose. One is he wanted to introduce himself to this church at Rome, the Christians in Rome. When it, when I say letter to the Romans, this is not to the le, the guards of Rome or the, the leadership of Rome. This is, is to uh, a budding small congregation of believers in Christ that had somehow found its way to Rome. Uh, it could have been people who were first saved during Pentecost that were in Jerusalem. They got saved and they went back and started a church. The Bible doesn't tell us how these Christians got to Rome, Um, we find that Paul knew several of them at the end of the book of Romans. He greets um, several people by name, and so he's known them, he's seen them other places, and they're now there serving, some of them having church out of their homes. Um, And so the first thing is he wanted to make an introduction to himself because he hoped to come there eventually, and it even says he wants to go all the way to Spain and share the gospel, which is West of Rome, on the other side of Rome, and so he knew he would need Rome as a strong local church to help him um, build out and grow uh, his mission. The other thing was he wrote this letter because many of the churches he had already been a part of founding were being uh, were, were being threatened by this mindset of uh, Judaism and the law law of works and things coming back into. It. And he he knew for this church at Rome, this main church, to make it, it had to have a strong foundation of what they believed in doctrine. And so he wanted to make sure, one, we know he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, he says at the end of this book, where he will be at risk. His life will be at risk where there's a hostile environment, but he's got to go there, and then he's going to make his way Um, to Rome, and he doesn't know if he'll get there personally. He knows where he's getting ready to go. He could be killed. So he sits down to pen this letter to Rome. One, to introduce himself to them, build a relationship so that when he comes, they'll be familiar with him, his background, his teaching. And two, to make sure if he doesn't make it there, that they have the truth from the source of what they should believe and he breaks it down really in a beautiful way. Um, the entire book uh, is really broken down into two sections, chapter 1 through 11. He's telling them what to believe. they much like Ephesians. Here's the truth. Here's what we believe. Everything from the brokenness of humanity to, you know, answers lots of why questions. Why are we here? Why do we, why do we sin? Why is sin prevalent in our community? Um, and and, he, and then he goes into the the forgiveness of sin through the through Christ and what that does in our life and the freedom that comes through our faith in Jesus Christ and then the second half of the chap second half of the letter twelve through sixteen he says here's how to behave here's because this is what you believe and what God's done in your life here's how you as a Christian as a church should operate and function very practical things for. Uh, their life. All right, so that's basic background and introduction. Let's look at these first few verses, the first seven verses. Um, And we're going to see here, as Paul is penning this letter, not knowing if he will really make it there in person, what does he want them to know about him? Primarily, because that's the first seven verses we're going to look at. Um, and this will be his his greeting of sorts to these young Christians, young church uh, at Rome. All right, you ready? Rome, remember, Rome is like the capital of the world at the time. This is the largest city. This is where the center of all commerce, this is where everything is happening. And Paul is trying to figure out how to spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so let's look at these first verses again. First verses again. Uh, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. I want to... uh, um, he gets straight to the heart of this if I was going to title this morning's sermon, which is gonna be brief because everything else was background um, it would just be those first three words: Paul, a servant. I want you to think just for a minute that, as he is writing this new audience, who'd probably heard about Paul, I mean he was one of the most popular um uh, leaders of the early church. He was leading this effort, the, the first great missionary going to new towns and setting up new churches, training new leaders and preachers and, and setting up congregations and and procedures and processes. Uh, we find that Paul, who had been trained by Gamaliel, who was very well trained, very well educated, when he began to introduce himself to these uh, these Christians at Rome, he had one thing to say. He had what was his he felt was his greatest credential. He did not start out by saying Paul, a student of Gamaliel. I would not. Um, how tempted are we sometimes to lay out our personal credentials? You know, I've never been to, to seminary. I've got a, a master's in business. I just want to start this statement. I want to have this heart that Paul's got that I just say, Jared, a servant of Christ Jesus. Can you just for a moment in your mind, think about what that means and for yourself to speak those words and think those words that if I'm going to say one thing about who I am, And I'm going to make a case for why someone should listen to me or or hear what I have to say. This is what Paul says, not because I'm well trained. He says, I am a servant of Christ Jesus. This would have been shocking for the Christians at Rome. As they're beginning to grow and learn, because there was it was a mix of Gentiles and Jews. So there was there were some people who just were complete uh heatherism, really they were just no just world religions had no religion, no beliefs some of them atheistic atheists um, didn't even believe in God. you know they would have been coming from a, a tradition history culture where God was just a thing. Some of them were coming from uh, Judaism which believed in, in Moses and the, the you know, first five books of the Old Testament. this was a mix in Rome. So Paul's writing this, and also in Rome, the culture was a servant or a slave was a bad thing. There's no way, like you were, that was just a, uh, a term that you would never want to be associated with. But it spoke something to these people, and it should speak something to us, and we're going to spend most of our time here this morning on to be a follower of, of Christ. To be a Christian is to be a servant of Christ. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. I want us to think about um, five things here as a servant for Christ. One, he was telling them that he was owned by Christ Jesus. (laughs) That no longer was his life his own, no longer um, had he did he have his own, uh, was he his own person or his own man, but that he had surrendered everything he had and that he was owned by Christ Jesus, that he had given his heart completely and totally. The second thing that meant was that he existed only for his master. For no other reason, there was no other reason for his existence except to serve Christ and do His work. As we consider ourselves as servants of Christ, Jesus told us over and over to serve Him, to be His servants. Um, to think about what that means—that uh, we do not exist for ourselves, we do not exist for our bosses, we do not exist to for uh, for our spouses, that we are a servant of Christ Jesus. And in that, we do serve other people because he called us to do that, but only because we are serving him. Uh, we uh, We also see that not only did he personally belong to his master, but his will belonged to his master. That he was putting all his trust. That he was, I love the, the verse where we're, we're told to uh, not say we're going to go to this or this town and, and, and sell, make trade um, and get gain without saying if it's God's will. And what Paul had surrendered here in his life was to surrender to the will of Christ wholly for his life, that he no longer, he aspired at one time probably be, to be the greatest legalistic lawyer attorney on the Sanhedrin that uh, Jerusalem had ever known. That was his will. And God changed it like that. Can I ask you what in your life has God changed? Have you seen your will, your desires, your dreams, your goals change? Are they still about you or do you see, wow, now, God, you're putting all these thoughts in my head and I can see that this is a very selfless thing you're calling me to. It's not about me, but I serve you. Paul also knew that this title, Servant of Christ, was actually, well, this might Be a shock and awe type moment for these Christians at Rome. Uh, He knew that this was the greatest profession in the world, that to be a servant of Christ was not to be looked down upon, that he knew all the great leaders of the Old Testament, that Moses was considered a slave to, to God, that Joshua was a servant to God that David was a servant, to God that Paul, uh, James, Peter, Jude, the prophets were all referred to as servants of Christ. If we could only hope that our one title that would be remembered, our one thing about us that would be remembered would be that we are a servant of Christ Jesus. We find that as he was served, it says he was called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures. He goes on um, to say here, let's read all seven verses. um, Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. we got one more verse. It says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. These are his first seven verses, his first paragraph, his greeting, if you will. He makes it clear that he is a servant. Um, He shares his call, that this is not just something that he wanted to do, but that God had put on his heart to do, that he had been called uh, to this work. He also anchors it in verses 5 and 6 on faith. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. See, he knew one thing. that there would always be this struggle to try to be good enough. To try to do enough good things. To try to meet the Old Testament laws and rules. And he knew that if a church was going to be built in Rome, it was going to be built on faith. And he wanted to get that In front of them, because he knew how critical it was, this tension that was building. That he knew if Rome is going to be built, if we are going to reach uh, the world, that Rome has to have a church that is sound on its foundation and its belief and its faith in Jesus Christ. He lays that out first and foremost when he gives his credentials. He says, I'm a servant. I'm just a servant of Christ Jesus who changed my heart uh, on the road to Damascus. He, he changed me from the inside out, and I cannot contain that until I tell other people. The world needs to hear that. This is what we want to start this morning as we dig into Romans over the next several weeks and we get into his words in the very next verse, in verse 8, uh, as he says, first first and we find that he begins to encourage them and so this morning i'm going to ask you where your heart has been where uh what have you been most proud of in your life if someone asked you to share about who you are what would you say And how is your faith? Because right now, I think we have the greatest risk of fear overcoming our faith. With so many things, so much uncertainty um, and and so much fear coming at us about everything and anything, whether it's the virus, whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's I mean, I, here's where I catch myself watching old TV shows or, or movies and like I'm watching it and I see them like they greet people and they hug and I'm like, oh my God, they cannot be hugging. And I see in my own mind like this this amount of fear that has come into the way I think and the way that I see things and the way that the world has changed. And it's more I think uh there's no greater time that if this country, if our community is going to be changed, if Paul could write a letter, this is what he would write. Here is what you have to believe. And because you believe this, here's how we how we should act. And so we're going to spend time, what should we believe? What is this truth about our brokenness? What is this truth about Christ's forgiveness? He says it here. It's very clear. See his son who was descended from David according to the flesh was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is what he's saying. This is what can change everything. If you need a change, put your faith in this. Believe in Jesus Christ. Profess it with your mouth and you will find eternal life. He gives a quick summary here in these verses of the gospel. He says, we're broken. I was sinful. He said, Christ saved me and because of that I have freedom and grace and power. I want to share it with the world. I want to be a witness to that. I want to testify to that. And in that end I will find eternal life. God, we thank you for this time. This morning we thank you for this letter. We thank you for the truth that is here. We thank you. God, that you called us to lead but to lead with a servant's heart god and in our leadership see it as a service to you that we are serving you god that you didn't call us to be proud of our own accomplishments or have any glory for anything that we individually have done but god to put our hearts in the right place if we're going to change our community and 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 change our neighbor and serve our neighbor That we must see ourselves as one thing, our identity in one place. I'm Jared, a servant of Christ Jesus. God, we want to be your servant. You guide our hearts. You point us in the right direction. You take us to where you want us to go. God, I pray if anybody is listening this morning that has never known that feeling of what it's like, the freedom that you get freedom from the bondage of sin, the guilt that comes along with it because we know we've messed up all of sin and come short of the glory of God and we've broken that relationship with you. That we would not have hope absent, having righteousness applied to our life by our faith in Jesus Christ. To be free from that. that which comes from sin, which is death. That we can be no longer slaves to sin, but servants to righteousness. In your name, God, I pray that we work together as the body of Christ to point more people, not to new beginnings, not to Faith Life Market, not to Jared, but to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hey, I've got a, a song here I'm going to play um, as we get ready to close. Remember, there is a uh, there is a link in the Facebook post to a Zoom meeting we're going to jump on in just a minute. If you've got 10 or 15 minutes, I think it'd be good just to see everybody's faces and uh, spend just a few minutes catching up. Like I said, if we've got a large crowd, I'll break it down into rooms of four to five people so it's manageable. Um And so let's do that. Uh, First, we're going to play this song. Uh, It's called Run to the Father. And so just listen to this song. If if you need somebody to pray with you, feel free to message our Facebook uh, page. Uh, You can email us online. Um, You can call me if you've got my cell phone number. Um, And uh, let's just pray one for another as we go through this uncertain time. Let's do one thing run to the father he's calling us he says come to us come to me all of you that are weary heavy laden that you've got this burden and he will give you rest for your souls